This podcast is proud to be part of the TalkSport Fan Network. TalkSport. Powered by fans. Ready to pop the question? The jewelers at BlueNile.com have got sparkle down to a science with beautiful lab-grown diamonds worthy of your most brilliant moments. Their lab-grown diamonds are independently graded and guaranteed identical to natural diamonds. And they're ready to ship to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. The TalkSport Fan Network is proudly supported by McDelivery, bringing you the food you love. McDelivery brings a top-tier lineup of food right to your door. No matter the results, you'll always be winning with McDelivery. Order now on the McDonald's app and you'll get rewards points delivered too. So that ordering today means some tasty rewards for tomorrow. Only via app at participating restaurants. 18 plus rewards registration required. Points only on menu items, delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. Sky Blues Extra. Hello and welcome to another special episode of the Sky Blues Extra podcast with me, Tom Ward. And I'm joined this evening by David Moore and also a very special guest. Our guest this evening started his career at MK Dons before moving to Kilmarnock, where he made over 100 appearances. He then had spells at Bristol City, Oldham and Leighton Orient before moving to the Sky Blues in the summer of 2017. He's made over 90 appearances and achieved two promotions in his three seasons with the Sky Blues. I'm, of course, talking about our captain, Liam Kelly. Liam, thanks for taking some time out this evening to come on the Sky Blues Extra podcast and to share your story with our listeners. Oh, no worries. It's, um, it's nice to come on. I've heard a few boys have been on in the past, so no problem coming on at all. And I'm looking forward to just chatting a bit about uh, time at Coventry and um, you know what's happened in the last few years. Yeah, brilliant. It's, it's really good to have you on, Liam. And um, we thought it'd be good just to, to go back to the start, really, because we don't know a huge amount about you sort of before your Coventry days. Um, so, yeah, literally going back to the start, you you grew up in Buckinghamshire, is that right? Yeah, no, I was um, I was born in Newport Pagnell, um, so not a million miles away from Coventry. Um, yeah, so I grew up there and, you know, lived here all my life. And, um, you know, from growing up here and playing local football, played for Northampton for a little bit when I was a youngster before moving on to MK Dons and doing my scholarship there. Yeah, sure. And when you were a kid, did you sort of follow a football team? Um, do you know what? Both my um, both my parents are Scottish. Um, okay. So they were mass. Well, my dad was a massive Celtic fan. So we used to watch a lot of Celtic on the TV because, you know, a lot of Celtic games are televised and uh, yeah, we used to watch a lot of that and then whenever we got the chance to go up to, to Glasgow to see our families um, we used to try and catch a game whenever we could but to be honest with you I was growing up there wasn't a team in Milton Keynes uh, yeah, of course, yeah. didn't exist so the closest local teams would have been Luton Northampton so we'd pop there be now and again to watch it not a great deal but my first I think my first game was probably a Luton Town game and uh, yeah, we watched Northampton, obviously, when I joined them when I was a little bit older. But uh, they were the two clubs that I mainly got to watch, actually, going to the games as opposed to 
just watching football on TV. Yeah, fair enough. Um, and when you were growing up, were there any sort of um, heroes that you had or I guess any players that you were trying to sort of model yourself on? Um, do you know what? It's always just trying to look at, you know, who's the best midfielder. And, you know, I think growing up in my time, it's probably Steven Gerrard, who was, yeah, of course. you know, who's on absolute fire. If you look at, you know, his performance in the Champions League final, some of the goals that he scored for Liverpool, any of plays like Zinedine Zidane. So I always just looked and watched, you know, just trying to find the, the best plays that I could and, you know, try to, to learn anything that I could off them. But uh, yeah, I'd probably stick with them. Even Paul Scholes, Frank Lampard. Yeah. I think that's my sort of generation growing up watching football. Yeah, some some brilliant midfielders in that time, weren't there? Yeah, no, absolutely. I think um, almost too good to play for each other for England at some point. Yeah. Uh, never really probably fulfilled the potential with England, which, uh, which would have been nice to see. But yeah, there were some great players. And obviously football's changing a lot now. Tactics are changing. And you know, there's a new breed of footballer coming through. Yeah, absolutely. And when you were a kid, how did you sort of get into the, the playing side of things? Um, you know what, growing up, I got two older brothers um, and my dad used to take the local football team. So we'd be taking training, you know, a couple of times a week. And, you know, I, my brother's like five, six years older than us, but I always used to go down and train with them because my dad was taking it. So I don't think I had much option whether I wanted to be mm. there or whether I didn't want to be there. I was just sort of chucked into it. There you go, <laughs> you're playing football not much choice about it and you end up just falling into these sort of things and uh, you know I've loved every minute of it and you know to still at 30 years of age be playing football every day doing the job that I love you know you can't really ask for anything more yeah of course did you did you always play as a midfielder or did you sort of move around a bit when you were when you oh, were younger absolutely everywhere I've, I've played centre back left back right back <laughs> right mid centre mid striker honest to god even like when I was a YT at 18 I remember playing left back in a reserve game for MK Dons and yeah so I've been I think it's probably a, a blessing in disguise as a youngster you know playing all these different positions because you know it gets you a bit of a better understanding of you know where how to play when you're on yeah. the pitch so you know it's, it's a blessing in disguise and it's probably a good thing if you give any advice to young players is don't just pigeonhole yourself in one position you know learn the game learn how different players play different positions and you know it can only add to, to you being a footballer. And your career when it started at MK Don's Lim, how did that come about? Um, so basically, I think when I was about 14, 15, that was when Wimbledon got bought by Pete Winkleman. And then it sort of it changed from Wimbledon to MK Don's. And it, it was a weird time. It was a really strange process because I think it was the National Hockey Stadium. Um, they come up and they started playing a football and hockey stadium. And you think, God, oh, this is weird. The pitch was tiny. But um, they were in the process of moving the academy from, you know, Wimbledon's MK Dons and they were looking for, you know, for new plays in the Milton Keynes area. So True. basically they, they got us in um, around about 15, 16. And it was a blend between the old London boys from Wimbledon and the new MK boys who obviously made, you know, M MK Dons. But it, it was a good time. I did really enjoy it. The birth, probably one of the down, downfalls was it was that new that there wasn't really a setup there. So we used yeah. to go training and, you know, we were YTs and I think we had 11 YTs and two of them are goalkeepers. So, you get one or two injuries, you know, you're playing a 14-year-old in an under-18 game. It really was, you know, put together. Less than ideal. Good. Yeah, no, definitely. But um, I really enjoyed my time there and, uh, you know, I had some fun memories and it was great to get started in football, especially, you know, at, you know, a local club.
Yeah, great. And it's funny you mention about the National Hockey Stadium. I'm showing my age here, but I actually went and watched Coventry play at the National Hockey Stadium. I think um, Julian Jochim notched like a hat-trick on, on the day. But um, just moving on with your career, you, you moved up to Scotland and, and played for Kilmark- Kilmarnock sorry, in 2009. Um, yep. Was it a tough decision to sort of move away from home at that age? Um, do you know what? It was a strange one because I was 18 years of age. I had a really good season. You know, I've been playing for Scotland under 18s and, you know, MK Don's offered me uh, offered me a contract. And, um, you know, it was, <laughs> I think it got to, they offered me that in March. And then I think it was the last day of the season. And um, it, it was a tough, when we were YTs, it was tough. Like we used to do a lot of jobs. We used to, training was just a lot, a hell of a lot of running. And yeah. um, it was the last day of the season. And we'd done a full day's labour. Like, honest to God, I think we started at eight, must have finished at half four. We were cleaning the goalposts. We were like wiping balls. We were cleaning the toilets that day, I remember, as well. And mm-hmm. um, it got to half four. And I think the, um, the youth team manager said to three of the lads who'd been, you know, given offered contracts, oh, you need to go up to the stadium. I want to speak to you. And we all bowled in there thinking, oh, brilliant. Must want us to sign our contracts for next season. It's the last day. So must be getting done after doing, you know, a full hard day labour. Yeah. We go in there and the club turn around and they go, oh, we've, we've decided to, to get rid of the reserve team for next season so there's no place for you and that was like that sort of opened your eyes up into how brutal the football world can be yeah, you know from there I had nothing planned so I ended up I went to go and work for my uncle and my dad and they had a contract at the time and it was um it was cleaning gutters on a on a council estate so I'd done that for sounds like an upgrade months. from the MK Dons <laughs> yeah no exactly so I was on I remember that doing that for a couple of months thinking I do not want to be doing this up on a ladder with a bucket and a shovel cleaning out gutters and um, obviously because I'd been playing for Scotland at the time uh, Kilmarnock just called us up and said look do you want to come up train here for a week so you know I jumped at the chance and you know I talked about being a difficult decision it wasn't really for me Um, you know the opportunity to go and play football uh, you know a professional club was you know something I couldn't turn down so I went there for a week Trained for a week, played a game, offered me a offered me a deal because up there at the time they had the under 19s, they had reserve team, they had first team, so it was a much better setup, you know, far superior to what there was at MK Dons at the time. So I jumped at the opportunity, and you know, it was one of the best decisions ever made. And you went on to to make your debut. What do you remember from that sort of first professional um, game, if you like? It's actually quite funny because I went up there at 18. Um, I spent a full year, you know, playing with the under-19s, playing in the reserves. And then the next season, um, I sat on the bench. And it must have been some sort of record. I sat on the bench for something like 34 games straight without ever coming on. And um, I, was, I, I was really close to playing. Every, like, the, the team was struggling down the bottom of the league. I was getting really close. And I thought, I've got to start at some point. I was in two minds. It got to January. And I had, I had an offer to come back down to England in the conference. And um, I thought, should I do it? Should I do it? And I thought, do you know what? Just let me give it six more months. If I don't get a breakthrough in six months, then I'll do it. And it was actually, I think, Jim Jeffries. He was good. I really liked him. Got the sack. And Jimmy Calder would come in. And we're playing Hamilton away on a Tuesday night. And I, I remember it because going to the game, I'd been sat on the bench for 34 games straight. I fell asleep on the coach on the way there. Yeah. And then, obviously, the game started. And one of the players got injured after 20 minutes. So three boys had gone out to warm up. I'm ready to place him. I'm sat slumped in the chair thinking, I've no chance of coming on. Managers turned around and just told me to grab my shirt and get my boots on. So I chucked them on as quick as anything and ran onto the pitch and that was that. 
ended up play you know I played really well that game it was a nil nil draw but um, that was it from that point on I think I near I've near enough started you know most games in my career yeah, um, we've heard it from a lot of people it wasn't a case of dipping in or dipping out once I started that was it there's no looking back yeah we've heard quite a bit where people get told days or the night before and I suppose you're sort of waiting for that uh, yeah. whereas you were sort of thrown at the deep end yeah, exactly. No time to think about it. Um, it's probably the best thing. It's, it's, it, but like I said, I was prepared to play first team football for a long time. You know, I felt like I could have made my debut a lot earlier than that. But yeah, I just bided my time. You know, waited for my chance and opportunity. And you know, it can be a blessing in disguise. I didn't have any time to think about it whatsoever. I was just straight on the pitch, and away you go. And it's probably going back a little while now. But do you remember your first professional goal? I've got it yeah. here as a an FA Cup. Uh, sorry, a fifth round cup game. Yeah, no, I remember it, yeah. It was, it was only a couple of games later um, because I think I played that Hamilton game. Then the next game, a full start, I think it was a 4-4 draw, which is some game against Dundee United. Next game, we beat Celtic 2-1. And the next game after that was my first goal. Um, yeah, that was against, I think, Terry Butcher was the manager in Vanessa at the time. And um, yeah, we won, I think we won 3-0. I scored two goals in that game. Um, so yes, yeah, I scored against Inverness and I scored again. And um, yeah, to be honest with you, it didn't feel any different to scoring a, a goal in like a reserve game and under 19s game. It just so happens to be a first team game. I don't. Yeah. I didn't really see him. You know, I think I was just going with the flow. I didn't think too much about things back then. I was just, you know, game after game, let's go. I was just more than happy to be playing football. And you ended up making over 100 appearances at Kilmarnock. How much do you feel that your game developed over that time? Oh, massively. I mean, I think I spent four and a half seasons up here, but probably only spent three full seasons playing games. So I managed to get them games in over probably, you know, three years. Um, but I think probably the biggest thing I learned was there was a lot of good characters in that Kilmarnock team. You know, I think two or three of them played their whole career in that same in that same team. They never left Kilmarnock. And, you know, they, they were just a good example of how to be a, a good professional um, a good person, you know, and how to, you know, to, to talk to others, how to treat others and how just, you know, to conduct yourself. Um, and on top of that, you know, you've got to play against some some big teams, you know, you've got to play against Celtic and Rangers, Hearts and Hibs. And I think some people take for granted, you know, at times how, you know, how big some teams are in Scotland um, and how many good quality young players come through there and go into bigger and better things. So it's a fantastic uh, four and a half years and I, I wouldn't change anything. I'm so glad I went up and done that. Yeah, that's brilliant. Um, and then over the next sort of five years or so, um, you had spells at Bristol City, Oldham, and then Leighton Orient. Just sort of um, starting with Bristol City, you had a quite frustrating injury there, didn't you, Liam? Did you sort of, did that sort of hold you back a bit at that point? Yeah, I mean, it was frustrating. I mean, to be honest with you, I wasn't sure whether to go to Bristol City or not at the time. Um, I, wasn't, I wasn't too sure. And I ended up going for it, and it was in January. And I joined in January in the club, we were in the championship, we were in the relegation zone. Um, and I thought it's going to be a tough ask to, to, to stay up. Um, you know, I come in and I, I think I started 22 out of 24 games in that, you know, second half of the season. And we ended up getting relegated. Um, but then, you know, I come back, I come back feeling great pre-season. I had a great pre-season. I think it was, it was something like a Tuesday morning. Um, and we're playing Bournemouth Tuesday night and we're just doing walkthroughs and training. And I just went to turn and my knee just completely gave weight and my cruise shit had gone. And um, got a scan the exact same day, found out about it, and it was just, it was terrible. And yeah, yeah. It, it massively held back my, well, my career at Bristol City because that was my season finished. You know, I think I made yeah. two substitute appearances that year. Um, 
I come back and then I still had two years left of my contract at the time, but I knew the manager had different plans and I just knew I weren't part of his plans. So, you know, I had to, to make a decision at the time of whether I sit out here for two years, potentially not play any, you know, very minimal, if any, football. So I decided to, you know, I took, I took a big wage cut to go to Oldham um, to get my career back on track and just get myself back playing games. And, you know, looking back again, I think it was a, it was a very good career choice to make. Yeah. Yeah, I was gonna say when you went to Oldham you, you got a more consistent run of games. You also made the club captain there, weren't you, Liam? Um how did that kind of come about? Um so uh, Lee Johnson was the manager at Oldham who's who's obviously got good links with Bristol City and I played with him up at Kilmarnock, so he knew, you know, what I was like, he knew what my character was and you know, he made the approach to Bristol City and to me to take me there and you know, he said, Come here, you know, you'll be captain. Uh, you'll play games and yeah it's I couldn't turn it down because yeah. I think from my last game at Bristol my last start at Bristol City to my first start at, um, at Oldham I think it was something like 15 16 months the only thing was probably a lot of pressure going into a new club after not playing a game in 16 months yeah I can imagine captain, yeah. it took me I should probably say it took me a couple of months to hit the ground um, because I just missed so much football uh, you know I was fit I was strong but I wasn't match fit and it took me a couple of months to get up to speed. But once that did happen, it, I had a fantastic two years at Oldham. Um, like I say, again, I really enjoyed working at Oldham. There were some fantastic people there, you know, especially, you know, people in the kit room, you know, the club staff. You, you get a good feel for football clubs. And when there's people there that you like and you get on with, it ends up making your time so much more special and so much more better. Yeah, I can imagine. Um, and you had a spell at Leighton Orient uh, and then you, you actually signed for the Sky Blues in 2017. Um, how did the move to Coventry come about? Um, so, I, the thing was, I had, a, I had a fantastic season last season at Oldham. Uh, I was top goal scorer, believe it or not. Um, I won player of the season and um, I still had a year left on my contract. And I think the club were looking for a little bit of money. So they accepted a bit from Leighton Orient. Um, it was a good offer for me. You know, financially, it was a good offer for me, yeah. um, albeit a step down a league. Um, and I just thought, you know what, they're having a real go late in Orient. They spent quite a bit of money on plays. They're a good squad. So I just went there, um, you know, and obviously one or two months in, disaster struck a, a rupture my hamstring against um, against Portsmouth, I think it was. I think it was playing against Doyle at the time. And I just kept <laughs> thinking the back of my leg go. And um, I thought, God, have I done this here? Physio weren't too sure because of strength tests and all that seemed okay. But went for a scan and, and hamstrings come off the bone. So oh, I had wow. an operation to repair that. Spent five months on the sideline. Um, and then obviously a lot happened at uh, Leighton Orient. The five owners not paying players and ended up finishing bottom of the league, which was a, a travesty because I really liked Leighton Orient. They're mm. a really good club. Who, yeah. You know, a fantastic stadium. And same again, good backroom team. You know, good good staff there. Made it a much more pleasurable time. But obviously with relegation, I had a clause in my contract by where we get relegated. I go down to £100 a week or I can leave for free. So, obviously, this, I couldn't stay. Um, and I had quite a few offers, to be fair. Um, a few offers come in, a few offers from north of the border. Um, but then, obviously, Coventry got in contact. And the thing that I looked when Coventry got in contact, I was thinking, Coventry's a massive club. And I'm thinking, they've just got relegated to League Two. And in my mind, I don't think the club could get any lower than that. I thought, yeah. that's at the bottom. There's only one way that club's going from here on in. And it's, you know, it has to go up. It can't get any worse than this for Coventry. And I just looked at it and thought, you know what, I want to be part of this. You know, spoke to the manager, a good plans, bringing in good players. And I just want to be part of the project moving forward and hopefully try and push this club forward. And it ended up being a great fit in the end. 
You're listening to Sky Blues Extra. Yeah, you, you mentioned there about mo- moving to Coventry. What did you know about Coventry prior to signing? Obviously, you, you said about a big club and there's a lot of proud history there. But for you, yeah, what was the most, sort of what did you know about the club? Um, so obviously, I've played against Coventry a fair few times. I've obviously played at the Rico Arena, which, you know, the Rico Arena is a massive stadium. And, you know, from playing Coventry, you know, at Oldham, when, the, when Coventry come, they're a fantastic uh, fan base, they always yeah. brought a massive crowd with them, and obviously you look at the history of Coventry being in the Premier League. You know some of the, you know, some of the games winning the FA Cup. They're they're a, they're a club that's got a massive history, a massive fan base, and they belong. You know, at the top of English football, they they belong to be in you know in the Premiership, and I believe one day they will get there. Um, I believe it's only a matter of time, whether it be you know in a couple of years' time, three, four, five, six, seven, they'll get there. And it's just, you know, obviously wanting to be part of that journey of trying to push the club to get back to where it needs to be. And I knew coming, you know, they'd be the biggest club in League Two by a mile. And um, that was part of the lure of coming there as well. Yeah, you, you said you mentioned with um, Mark Robbins and you had a chat with him. What, what did he sort of talk to you about the plans for the club when, when you first joined? And, and how did he explain your sort of role in, in, in that? I mean, I think he just talked about how he wanted his team to play. He talked about what plays he was bringing in. And, um, you know, I think at that point there was going to be quite a bit of an overhaul of the squad from what it was in the previous year, which, you know, which is fair enough, just being relegated from League One. There needs to be new plays coming in. You know, and all this combined with, you know, the new players, you know, the style of play. I think it's quite apparent that Coventry wanted to and needed to bounce back at the first attempt. So, you know, you don't want to be going to a club where you're just sitting in mid-table, you're trying to avoid relegation. You want to be at a club that's going somewhere that wants to achieve something, you know, and that was very much made clear from when I spoke to the gaffer that very first time. Was there an element of pressure at all for that sort of bounce back element? Um, do you know, there's always pressure, whether you're down the bottom of the league, whether you're pushing for promotion. I think it's it's how much pressure you put on yourself. I mean, you know, pressure's a good thing. You need that yeah. to, to perform. And to put you, you know, at a level that you need to be at to to win things. So yeah, there was pressure there, but it's how that pressure affects you. You need to let it affect you in a positive way. You can't let it get on top of you and start putting pressure on you and affect your performances. You need to use that to your advantage. You know, that pressure to drive you on to to performing games. You know, to to make sure everyone's pulling in the right direction to get uh, the club where it needs to be. And when you arrived at the club, what what was your feelings around the training ground and the setup that the club had? To be fair, for a League Two club at the time, Coventry probably had one of the best training grounds in the league. And, you know, it's still a good training ground. Um, obviously, coming in, it was a bit of a strange situation because there was obviously quite a big overhaul of players going on. So, yeah. when I went there, there was a lot of new players. So, obviously, meeting the new players, speaking to new players. And there, there was players there who knew they were moving on. Um, and there was only, there's probably, you know, like Willis, uh, Burgie, Stokesy, they were the ones there that were playing, which are going to be playing next season. There weren't a great deal of players there who played a lot of football the previous season who was going to be there that season. So it was sort of trying to build a new group, you know, a new team and everyone just getting to know each other. But, you know, it, from the minute I've stepped foot in the football club, it's been full of great characters. Uh, you know, the staff, the players, and that's something that's played a massive part in, uh, in the most recent success. You mentioned that there was a big overhaul, but obviously it was probably a, a group of players who'd been at the club for a while, really, you know, since they were kids. How did they sort of welcome you? And did you have any sort of like initiations or anything like that into the club? Um, they were absolutely fine. They were brilliant. You know, they're good characters and good people. And 
throughout the season, Burgi, Willis, Stokesy performed really well and they've done well for us and they helped us get promotion. Um, in terms of initiation, it's pretty much the same at every club. You have to sing a song. <laughs> the only thing was, there was about 16 new players, so the song taking went on forever. <laughs> what, was your, what was your song, Liam? It was only Fools and Horses theme tune. <laughs> so it's, um, it's not too bad. You ain't got to give it too much effort, but it's enough to get you by. Yeah. Uh, there's a few bad ones there's a few good ones but um, you know, we just we actually just done that uh, on a most recent trip to Rangers and some of the you know some of the boys were good some of the yeah, boys so were terrible imagine some, absolute, <laughs> imagine some absolute horrors as well yeah I'm not mentioning any names but yeah there's always a few <laughs> terrible ones we'll have to find out that at some point on the, on the podcast <laughs> maybe that'll become a regular question now we'll um, start filming it we can stick it on the podcast we can record it <laughs> that'd be good um, and then in, in that first season did you sort of become close with anyone? Have you got any like close pals in the squad in particular? Do you know what? At that time, I was probably quite close with uh, with Pete, Peter Vincente. Okay. Um, you know, we used to be rivals because obviously I was at Oldham, he was at Rochdale. Yeah, and that's a big rivalry up there. It's like the big derby. Um, so I get on well with Pete and I still speak to him quite a lot now. You know, we're good mates and um, probably just because our, our spots in the change room are next to each other, we actually got on really well. But that's probably someone I just I still speak to now, but you know I can't say a bad word about anyone in that team because it was a fantastic group of players. And like I said, if you're going to get promotion, if you're going to succeed in things, you need a good group, you need a good team, you need everyone yeah. to get on. It can't be you know clips here and there, which in my time at Coventry there's never been. Yeah, um, we rarely do a podcast without talking about Michael Doyle. Um, obviously, we we have to to mention him. What was it like playing alongside Michael, and what was he like as a professional? Yeah, no, he's good. He was, um, no, he's very good. Um, Doyle is a, he's a top man. He's a top bloke. Um, I think what was big for us that season was the fact that Doyle had been uh, been at the club before. So with a lot of new players coming in, you know, Doyle knew a lot about the club. He knew a lot about the fans. He knew a lot about a lot of people involved in the club. And he'd done a lot. He'd done a lot for the football club. I think he helped, you know, temp players into coming signing for the club. He helped drive standards in training. Um, and he's a good guy. And, you know, it can't be, you know, underemphasized how, you know, bigger bigger role he played in that season, getting us promoted. But, yeah, he's a good guy, Dorlo, and enjoy playing with him. Yeah, and, and so, so stuff that we've heard about is his influence in terms of, you know, even transfers and like getting people like Mark Minolte to come to the club. It seemed like he was very influential at the time. Yeah, I mean, yeah, I'd imagine he would be because obviously he played with him. Uh, yeah. So he knows a lot about him. But um, that's obviously because Doyle is an experienced player. He's played at a lot of clubs. He's played, you know, in League One, League Two quite a bit as well. So he knew the league. He knew the plays. And if he did play a role in, you know, helping to tempt plays in there, especially, you know, Mark McNulty, who was massive for us that season. You, if you're going to get promoted, you need someone banging in goals. So yeah. he was massive for us. And, you know, if he played his part in helping him bring him to the club, that's fantastic because, it, um, you know, come the end of the season, it made the difference. Yeah, definitely. And it felt like a season of um, some ups and some downs and everything seemed to kind of come together at the right time, really, um, with some really big results towards the end of the season to obviously get us into the playoffs. Is that sort of how it felt as a player, that, that sort of how the season went? Yeah, no, definitely. I think the thing was, it was such a new team. There were so many yeah. new players in that team from the previous season that I think it took us, you know, throughout the season to start to gel and start to click and understand each other and plays to hit form that, you know, our form was up and down during the season and we, we were, probably weren't playing as good a football as what we play now, you know, a good yeah. brand of football, but it's a tough league. League two is a very tough league and although the teams don't play, you know, as, you know, as 
the football isn't as great to watch. They're effective at what they do. There's some big teams and big, you know, strong physical players who make games very hard. But like you said, come the end, it's not where you are coming into the season. Come that final day, you know, that, that matters where you are. And when we hit the business end of the season and we really hit the big games that meant something, you know, that Coventry City team turned up and they'd done the business and they'd done what they needed to do to get ourselves, uh, you know, to the playoff final and obviously win that on the day. Yeah, absolutely. And one of those big wins was at home to Stevenage towards the end of the season. You actually grabbed a goal in that game. It must have been nice to to have an influence in the game by getting a goal. Yeah, no, a rare goal for me. Probably <laughs> one of the games that I've got a nosebleed and went a little bit too far yeah. forward and I thought pull the trigger. But um, yeah, no, it's nice to get a goal. And I remember Matty Godden was playing that game. He's playing left mid. I remember we were talking about it the other day. Um, but yeah, there, yes. there were some good performances and some big, big games that season. And um, yeah, look, I can't, I can't speak highly enough of of how hard that team worked because it was a team of up and down. It would have been easy at some point just to, to go into ourselves and lose our focus, but we stuck with the task in hand and everybody pulled together to, to get ourselves over the line in the end. And we moved into the playoffs. Uh, the first leg, it was really awful conditions that night. Do you think it affected our football on the evening? Yeah, I'm, I, do you know what? I remember it. I remember going out for the warm-up, and I don't think the warm-up was too bad. And then mm-hmm. going out for the kick-off, I'm like, what on earth has happened here? And there was actually rumours that the game was going to get called off because it got that that wet and that waterlogged the pitch. But thank goodness it didn't. But the the ball moved really quick, and then at some point it just stopped because it was that wet. And um, it was probably a game. I didn't think we played badly in the game. I thought we played okay, but we just obviously never never took our chances early on. You know, and um, Notts County obviously got their goal. And you know, I think, you know, listening to the pundits, listening to the journalists before that game, I think we were well written off. I think even yeah. at 1-1, I think the journalists all thought, uh, no chance young Coventry City will go away and win away in the second leg. But um, I think that Mark McNulty penalty obviously swung the time of favour. And I think the, the way that it came such late in the game, you know, I think it knocked their confidence and knocked Notts County to stride a little bit. Yeah, I was going to say that must have been crucial for the team's sort of psychology. Yeah, no, massively, massively, because I think Notts County fought 1-0 away. They're going to do the business at home because they've been, they've, to be fair to them, they were flying early on in the season. They were doing really well up at the top for so long. Yeah. But I think sometimes when you've been at the top for so long and you start dropping down that league, I think it hits your confidence and you start, you know, I don't know, you start doubting yourself whether, you know, you can get back to it, whether it's slipping away. And I think the fact that they've been at the top for so long, they've slipped down. Then they've had the lead in the first leg and the last, near enough last kick of the game. They've equalised. I think it probably just, you know, it got into their heads a little bit and it was massive for us going into that second leg. Yeah, and we put out recently on the, the page actually around sort of Robbins's, you know, best fixture or fans' favourite fixture and Notch County away in the second leg came up as a, a firm favourite for many. What was it like with the build-up to the game uh, and then actually arriving on the day? Do you know what? Even even the first leg, Wembley felt a million miles away. It, it didn't feel like I, I don't know if it was just me in my head. I was I just concentrated on the game. Yeah. Wembley wasn't even in my head, and even that second leg going into it, I think we had the it was the cricket ground that was close to Notts County. You had pre match yeah. meal there, and um, it just I don't know. It's a weird feeling. You just and then when we got to the stadium, obviously we we're going in the coach, and there's, there's blue flares flying up everywhere. Yeah. So many Coventry fans are thinking, look, minute, it's like you're in, I don't know, Italy here. Yeah? All these flares going off and all these fans outside the 
outside the coach. And I just remember going out there for kickoff and the atmosphere was electric. The stadium was packed full. So many Coventry fans in that away, in that away stand. It was unbelievable. But it was, you know, it's one of my favourite games. You know, I really do remember that game. And for me, it's one of my favourite games. It's probably one of the best games I've played for Coventry. But um, like I said, it was it was business time and it was time, you know, that we showed up and, you know, we'd done what we needed to do. You know, when we, in the end, you know, we rolled them over for five two aggregate win. Yeah, and one of the one of the um, one of the memorable goals from that night was the second goal which you were involved in. That was a, a very nice team goal, wasn't it, Liam? Yeah, no, it was good. It was just um, obviously Maxi with his overhead kick for the first goal, and yeah. he's, so, he's so good at overhead kicks. Honestly, I don't know. That's all he does, isn't it? Break his neck. <laughs> you like is that flexible? But um, yeah, it was a great second goal when. You know, I think the ball got played up to, to Mark McNulty, who held it up, laid it off to Tom Bayliss, and then I've gone on, on an overlap, and, you know, he slid us. And I remember crossing the ball and thinking, I don't really know where to cross this here. Yeah. And so I think, he's going to cut this off, so I just try to stick it through his legs. And thank goodness he thought that I was going to cross it and just stuck his leg out, just rolled between his legs straight into, into, into Mark, and he just banged it in. And I think that just killed Notts County at that point. I think, yeah. you know, that was just, they were shell-shocked. I don't think they expected us to come out and start the game for bang like we did. You know, one goal, two goal. The game's near enough done. And yeah. uh, I remember just that away end going absolutely mad. And it was just thinking in my head. Well, yeah, because the thing was, we've been so good defensively that year. Anytime we got our noses in front, we didn't throw away a lead. And I just couldn't see us throwing that away. Yeah, exactly. I remember the the commentary, watching it back on Sky, when the, I think he was like almost there. And that's how it felt. It was like, yeah, we're almost there now from that goal. Yeah, no, hundred percent. But but to be fair to Notts County, they come out and bombarded yeah, us for they gave us a game. five minutes. I remember thinking, Bloody, when is this going to stop? It was just ball after long ball after long ball after long ball. You know, Abby Obi, John Stead, and big guys, <laughs> and you're trying to battle battle it away. And you know, uh, as soon as we got who's Maxi's goal next, once that goal went in, it killed him. Then Tom Bayliss again, and you know, it was a comprehensive win in the end. And it was just, you know, it was a great game and a great day for the fans. Yeah, it was. And the celebrations seemed to go on forever afterwards. Nobody wanted to go home. Um, it must have felt amazing as a player standing there on the pitch after a long, hard season, knowing that, you know, we'd finally sort of navigated a tricky semi-final and, and reached Wembley. Yeah, no, definitely. I remember, you know, there's a few games where you just try and take everything in because you never know when's going to be your last game of injury. Yeah. yeah. I remember just looking at that away that away end for the Coventry fans and just trying to take everything in, trying to take a mental picture so I don't forget it because it was a fantastic day and it's a career highlight. It really is a career highlight. The only thing I would say was, I, you know, in my head, I didn't want to celebrate it too much. I just wanted to savour it because yeah. I knew that you know, it, all this means nothing if we don't go to Wembley and take care of business. If we don't go there and win that game, all this is for nothing. And um, as, as soon as that game finished, you know, I didn't over-celebrate it. I just thought in my head, right, one more game, one more game to decide last season. Glad to get myself ready, you know, mentally and physically, and make sure that you know, come Wembley, we're ready to. Rock yeah, and roll. seemed like um, Johnson Clark Harris might have over celebrated a bit then compared to you. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> Some no, silly dancing. He, he's a madman. He is. He's <laughs> a madman. He's a good guy. To be fair, he's a funny boy and a good goal scorer. To be fair to him, he's got yeah. some left foot, and um, he's actually had a good. You know, a good season for Bristol Rovers. Yeah, he has, yeah. He's scored a lot of goals. Uh, but yeah, he's a, he's a top guy. But yeah, he likes to celebrate. He likes a little bit of a party. Yeah, gets a bit carried away. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and then on to the final. Um, talk us about the sort of preparation and the build-up to the to, to Wembley. 
Well, I remember we oh, we trained. The, so obviously, like the, the week build up was the same. Like well, it was ten days, I think it was. We just trained and we just prepared near and after the game every single day. And um, I think we trained at Sky Blue Lodge, and then we travelled down the day before. And don't even remember the weather was absolutely roasting. Yeah, it was. And we had to we had to stop off because I think the aircon broke on the coach on the way down. <laughs> so I think we stopped off at Toddington. Just what you need. Yeah, got out. We spent about half an hour while they fixed it. Got back on. Got down to the hotel. And the only thing I can remember in the days leading up to it was watching all the other playoff finals because we were the last one to go. I think it was yeah. played championship, then League One, then it was us. And I just remember right, oh, yeah. thinking in my head, like, I just want to play this game. Like, I can't wait any longer. I just want to play this game. I'm sick of waiting. And it was just, it, the last few days we just spent waiting, waiting for the game. We get down to the hotel. I'm waiting for the game. <laughs> I'm thinking, I'm not going to sleep tonight. I just want to play this game now. And... Um, I've got not too bad a night's sleep, to be fair. But the funny thing I remember was the next morning, were, well, to be fair, no, they're not before that. We had video clips from all our families and they sat us down in the meeting room. I was a little surprised. They managed to get, you know, good luck messages from all our families going yeah. into it, which is a really, really nice touch. I just remember pre-season, the ne- um, pre-season, pre-match meal the next morning. I think it was me, Doyle and Jack Grimace sat next to each other. I thought it must have been at half 11 with a bit of chicken and a bit of pasta on the plate. I was just looking at each other laughing like, I can't eat it. <laughs> <laughs> like, I don't know if you know, like, you're nerves or what? Just like, I can't eat. I don't know if it's because of the hottest day of the year, like, trying to force down this food thing. Yeah. I don't even want this. Like, I can't eat it. I just want to go and play this game. Mm. But um, <clears throat> the other thing about preparation for that game was I normally don't watch a full match, but I watched both. You know, I didn't watch the, the their semi-final legs uh, live. I recorded them and watched them. And I just remember watching it thinking, I've just got to be so prepared for this game. And in my head, I was prepared to go through, you know, 90 minutes, extra time, penalties, whatever it took, you know, to win that game, I was fully prepared to do. I remember thinking, we have to go out there and not give them a sniff. We have to get on top of them straight away. And I know they've obviously lost the playoff final the year before. I was thinking, you know, we have to batter their confidence and make sure that they don't think that they've got any chance of winning this game. We need to get on top of them straight away yeah. and play our football and just make sure, you know, and in my head, I thought, I'm going out there. I'm giving it absolutely everything. I'm not leaving a stone unturned in this game. You know, if I go out there and give it my absolute all and we don't win it, there's nothing I can do about it. But yeah, exactly. I know if I go out there and, and do what I want to do and perform, I want to perform and everyone else in the team does that and there's no chance we're not winning this game. And it was, uh, you know, I think it was meant to be on the day. Yeah, definitely. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quinn's. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And is all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com pack for free shipping and 365-day returns. Picture the scene. All of your mates around, you've got your McNugget share boxes ready to go. Partner this with your team playing champagne football. Perfect. Order McDelivery now on the McDonald's app. There's nothing quite like a McDelivery. At participating restaurants, 18 plus, serving times, delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. It must be special as a footballer walking out of Wembley. I imagine it's something you dream of, you know, since you're a kid. Yeah, no, it was it was fantastic, and obviously going out there, you know, looking to your right and forty thousand Comte fans, it was 
is what dreams are made of. And, you know, you spend, for me, you know, you spend your whole life working towards something like that. You know, as you're a kid, all the, all the training, all the games. And as a professional, you want to put yourself in that, in that place to play that game. And when that comes, you know, it's, it's like a dream come true. And I always remember, you know, lining up to shake everyone's hand in front of that big crowd and what was probably the hottest day of the year. There's always like a moment of calm. You know, you've all got all this, this nervous tension before the game, the build-up. But just before that whistle blows, there's always a moment of calm in your head where you just look, this is it. This is what you train for. This is what you've worked so hard for. And this whole season, all, you know, how many, 40, 50 games has come down to one game. And you yeah, just, you go it's out crazy there. really, isn't it? Go out there, you know, do do what you're meant to do and make sure you win the game because, it, like I said, it means nothing. You don't want to you don't want to lose finals. You go to finals to win them. No one remembers a, a runner-up. Yeah, and we played really well that day, Liam. For a fan at the ground, I thought it, it felt like the result was never really in doubt. But what do you think was the deciding factor for the Sky Blues on the day? I think it was just the, when we went out there. I just think. We played our game. We got on top of them straight away. We yeah. got our foot on the ball. We started passing it about. You know, when there was a tackle to be won, we won it. You know, 50-50, we were winning them all. And um, I just felt like Exeter just didn't... I don't want to say, obviously, they want to win the game, but I just felt like they felt defeat before the game had even started. As soon as yeah. I got that, that first whistle goes, I just felt like only one team winning this. And obviously we went in at nil nil. I thought we played the first half quite well. I'd never felt in danger from them at all. And I thought, yeah. you know, if we step this up a gear, this game's finished. And obviously the second half starts bang, bang, bang before you know it, we're 3 0 up. And even I think once it got to 2 0, and obviously, like I spoke about in the Notts County game, we were so strong uh, when we went a goal up. And I think, I don't even know if we'd lost the game from a winning position that season. Sure. Um, I thought the game's over. And once a third goal went in, I knew I knew that the game was finished and there was no way back. And I just thought, you know what? Let's just enjoy this, yeah. enjoy the final because you'll never be in an opportunity again playing in the playoff final three nil up with what twenty five minutes to go. You just enjoy it, and I did enjoy it. And obviously they pulled a goal back, but even at that, they were never going to get back in the game. And um, you know, it's a it's a career highlight for me, and it's something I'll always remember. I'll always remember that game. And going into League One, the aim was it always to get promotion? Or was it more to consolidate in the league and build? Was it always, what was the sort of, you know? I, I, I think it was to see how far we can go. Because obviously, we, the team obviously evolved again. So, you know, some good quality players come in. And I think, the th you know, the ethos was we're just going to see how far we can go. I don't think we ever felt like we'd be, we struggled to survive. Because I don't think there's a great difference between, well, there is a difference. But I think there's a massive difference between League One and League Two. Yeah, I think we'll see how far we can get this season and let's just try and keep building and keep pushing and obviously you know I think I, I was injured at the start of the season so I missed the first half of the year and when I come back we had, we had a push for promotion in the end and we just come up short I remember thinking do you know what we finished that season quite strongly if we'd managed to you know maintain you know some of that form throughout the whole year we would have made the playoffs comfortably there yeah but um, it, you know for for where the club had been two seasons previous, it was a good improvement, and the club were well on the way to you know to moving up the league and achieving things. And it must have been a massively you know proud moment for you when you were made the club captain after Michael Doyle departed. Is that a role that you were sort of keen to take on? Yeah, no, no, definitely so because obviously Doyle had been a fantastic captain. He'd done a lot for the football club, but um, obviously they um, Doyle had moved on, and um, as soon as the opportunity came about, I don't think you know. I'd, 
hesitated to be to be captain because it's something I've done previously. Sure. And it's something I, I enjoy doing. I enjoy taking the responsibility on the pitch, off the pitch. And I think it helps bring on my game as well. And I do enjoy being captain. So, isn't it, you know, if, if I got when I got asked the question, you know, it wasn't in doubt whether I wanted to do it or not. And uh, it's something I really enjoyed. And, you know, it's something I take great pride and privilege in doing, you know, being captain of Coventry City and being captain of a, a great football club with a fantastic fan base and a good group of players, you know, and um, good staff. So, you know, the club and the players make my job a lot, lot easier. And the style of captaincy, has, has that changed over the years uh, or have you drawn on the sort of, from players that you've played with and rolled that out to your sort of own style or? Yeah, do you know what? I think you always learn from pre- from previous players. And like I spoke about earlier, when I was up in Kilmarnock, there was a lot of good, you know, experienced players there. Plays, you know, conducted themselves really well, trained really well, and they led the standard. And for me, that probably set the bar of where I needed to be throughout my career. You know, you talk about style of captaincy. I think it's, I think, you know, plays have probably evolved and changed over time from what, you know, I think you watch old, <laughs> you watch some old videos, of, especially like the Neil Warnock ones, you know, back from, you know, Sheffield United. And yeah. football's changed a lot. Plays have changed, people have changed. And I think it's about understanding people. And I think it's about trying to motivate people, knowing what motivates them, knowing how to build their confidence, how to get them performing. Because, you know, if I want to go and achieve things and play well, I need my teammates, you know, achieving things and having good confidence and playing well. And, you know, I think it's about how you train as well, setting that standard and training every single day. Because players, especially the young players, it's a young group they've got. If they're looking at you, at how you're training, about how you're conducting yourself, you need to show them, you know, this is how you do it. This is how you have a long career in football. And this is how, you know, if you train right, then you, you play right come the weekend. And, um, you know, just trying to have that have that level of consistency, that level of motivation, you know, and how to uh, try and get the best out of uh, every single player. Yeah, and you have to kind of tailor it, don't you, to different individuals. Some people will react completely differently to others. Yeah, no, the, the thing is, people are from different backgrounds. You know, you've obviously yeah. got players coming from foreign countries, first season in English football and it's probably a lot different to what they're you know what they're used to and you know it can be tough uh, challenging time and then obviously you've got other experienced players you know look at Fads Fads is you know got loads of experience and you know he's another one who sets the bar because he trains so well every day and like I spoke about you do need a good group of players Uh, you need good senior players who can you know set that bar in training that you know that you can't drop below that standard if you drop below that standard then you're going to fall at the wayside and we need every single person pulling in the same direction. But like you said, everyone's everyone's different and everyone's got different ways of motivating themselves. And it's about finding out about each and every individual player and, you know, just helping them day in, day out. You're listening to Sky Blues Extra. And in that first season back in League One, we didn't quite make the playoffs, as you said, but it was a memorable season. Um, games like Peterborough away, Sunderland away, sticking the memory for the fans, definitely. Um, what were some of your highlights from that season? Um, probably the biggest highlight was Sunderland away. Um, <laughs> it was some game. Um, I don't know if I've ever been involved in a game with such a high scoreline, really. Um, I just remember, you know, the thing was, we, we played brilliant on the day. Like, we're, yeah. I think Bright was unstoppable and back of that day. They were just, you know, cutting through Sunderland like butter. But at the same time, we conceded four goals and still won the game, which is unbelievable. But, you know, going go to the stadium alike probably gives a taste of what the championship's going to be like in terms of, you know, big teams, big clubs, you know, what the atmosphere's going to be like. It probably gives a little bit of a taster. Yeah. But um, that was probably the biggest game that season. And 
you know, it, it, we, we finished the season quite strong, to be fair, albeit the last couple of games. But, you know, we had a go and we got close. And I think that probably, that form towards the end of the season probably set us up for the next year. Yeah, definitely. Was it nice watching the Sunderland game back on Netflix? Um, yeah, do you know what? I did watch it. Someone said to me, so please <laughs> watch it. It's quite funny. Uh, <laughs> you didn't see too much about it. I just remember Chappell's goal, which was yeah. something if he was like, well, I don't know, doing about 100 step-overs and banged it in the top corner. Like, at that point, you're thinking, God, how many goals are left in this game? Like, just stop. We don't want any more goals. We've won it. Yeah. Yeah, it's funny watching it back in, like, super slow motion, like, all very dramatic. Yeah, yeah. No, it's good. It's good. It's good. I like the football documentaries at the minute. It's yeah. quite a few out in there. Um, and then moving on to the season just gone, obviously the title-winning season. Um, talk us through the pre-season and how the gaffer and the staff got the squad prepared. Do you know what we we set up? You know, it was a tough pre-season again. We went to Spain as we always do. We always go to the same resort in Spain, obviously apart from this year because of the coronavirus, yeah. and it's always roasting hot. But um, you know what? We spent most of the pre-season training to to set up in a four-three-three. Yeah, and uh, we did start off in a four-three-three. And do you know what? Quite a lot of plays. Obviously, Matty come in, and Matty was you know been massive for us this season. But um, Jamie, Jamie Allen come in. Obviously, missed the first half of the season, but as soon as he come back, hit the ground running. So. Fads come in, he's been massive for us. You know, the thing is with Fads, he's, he wins everything in the air. If the ball's coming in the box, he's heading it away, he's booting it away, he's tackling someone. And I think sometimes, you know, people miss that side of him, how big that is. And, you know, I think it speaks volumes when you look at the defensive record of us this season, you know, the best in the league, which played a massive part, along with yeah. the good football that we did play. Um, but yeah, we set up in a 4-3-3. We started the season well. Our home form was, you know, really, really good. For whatever reason, we could just never get over the line in an away game, which was, yeah. you know, considering you look back at where we finished in the league, and we didn't win our first away game to what December, which is crazy. If we won, you know, won a few more games earlier on in the season, we'd be so clear. But um, for whatever reason, it just didn't happen. But yeah, we started off in a four-three-three, and we were having success, and we were, we were solid away from home without ever just getting ourselves over the line. Yeah, absolutely. And just going back to the pre-season. Um, with obviously a lot of new signings coming in again, was there anyone else? Sorry, was there anyone who stuck out to you um, that you were really impressed by early on? It probably Fads, you know, yeah. because I've known well, I've, I've known off Fads playing against him, but I think you know we probably needed someone who's a vocal leader, and someone who's going to stick their head in absolutely everything, like I spoke about before. I think that goes underestimated sometimes because, especially in you know League One. There's a lot of crosses come in. There's a lot of big strikers. And yeah. I think he's been a massive part to the success in terms of how he's led, you know, away from the football pitch, you know, in the training ground, you know, and how he's led us on there. And, you know, his talking's great. And, you know, he's, he's a real leader. And um, he's been a, I think he's been a massive factor in creating what's been a great team atmosphere this year, which has been a massive part to it. I, you know, I can't really stick it down to any one or two players. I think it's been a great collective effort. And, you know, it's probably the best group of players that I've ever been involved with throughout my whole professional career. And you talk about, you know, good football, you talk about, you know, talent and skill. That's all great. But without that, you know, togetherness and, you know, how focused we all were that season, it all counts for nothing. You know, the both of them combined, you know, ended up getting us over the line. We made a really strong start to the season. We won home games and drawed, you know, quite a lot of the away games. Was it frustrating for that away win that you were sort of waiting for? Yeah, the thing was, you know, we were playing well. 
I just, I can't honestly, I just can't put my finger on it. How we just didn't win an away game in the first half of the season. I don't know whether it's down to, well, actually, you look at the Bolton game where we scored three goals and yeah. all chalked off offside. That probably, I think, if, you know, if we'd won that game, we probably would have won a few more. But for whatever reason, we didn't. But looking back now, it's we done the business in the end. You know, we got ourselves top of the league and yeah, it's yeah. just a bit frustrating at the time because our home form is great and if we could have stuck in a bit of a waveform with that, then I think, because I think we were floated in the in the playoffs for the first half of the season. I think yeah. that away form is probably what the difference was between us being in the playoffs and us being top of the league. But obviously, we come good come December and we went on a fantastic away winning run. And Sunderland was a crazy away game that you played in the season before but Portsmouth yeah. away that was as crazy wasn't it yeah <laughs> yeah it was a funny game that one you know we started off good went one nil up and um obviously found ourselves I'm trying to think of the score we went two one down they went three one down didn't we Something yeah we went three yeah. one down with nine I men remember, with nine was it, yeah <laughs> was it fads that got sent off or thank Fanky and then Javain, I think it was. Yeah, yeah. Javain's set like second yellow card. So like the funniest thing we've ever seen. I just remember at the time he come on, he booted their player, got a yellow card, <laughs> and then five minutes later it was like something out of um, Street Fighter, you know, when they do that like kick and they go flying <laughs> like yeah, five hundred yards. I just saw like him just go sprinting, hit the deck, and honestly, it was like in slow motion. He went miles for about twenty yards, <laughs> and then took him out, and I'm thinking, oh no, red card. 3-1 down thinking oh and do you know what I think the amount of times we've come back late in games let alone with nine men I think that just spoke volumes to the character of what that squad was um, yeah. and it was just I think that set the tone for the rest of our season was that never say die you know come the last 10 minutes of the game I'd, I'd like to know how many points we got from the last 10 minutes that season because I think it would be a hell of a lot, and it's probably you know enough to, to what separated us from playoffs and being in first position. But yeah, yeah I agree. It was a crazy day, and I just remember going mad when Rosie scored that eat, that equaliser. <laughs> I remember thinking in my head, "Can we get a winner here?" I'm thinking, <laughs> "No, we can't." We think we're playing like four four or four three one at the time, just hanging on for the draw. But yeah, it was a great day. That's that. the game that goes down in memory. Yeah, Coventry over the years used to concede, it seemed like, um, at the 90th minute. So this season, it was really, it was never, the game was never done. You always thought there was another goal in there. Yeah, it was like Fergie time, wasn't it? It just seemed to be, any time the game was tight or close, last few minutes, it would be Matty, it would be Maxi, it would be, <laughs> be Cal. One of them just popped up for goal. And it was always in big games as well. Like, you look yeah. back to the Ipswich game, I think. Was it Ipswich? I can't even remember now. Yeah, and you had the, yeah, the one one. Yeah, that was a, yeah, the one was, one. That was yeah, a hair, wasn't one. it? Yeah, that was the one. And then we yeah. obviously had uh, Bolton at home would be Yeah, Bolton at home. Doncaster at home. Yeah, that was the yeah. one. And then obviously you've got Portsmouth at home, tight game. Yeah. And it you know, the thing was we played some great football that season, but on the occasions we didn't play great football. We were always defensively solid and someone popped up for a moment of brilliance, whether it be Cal, Maxi, Matty. Jamie, someone popped up with a moment of brilliance that set us apart. And, you know, I think I was sitting down watching, you know, Gary Neville's documentaries on um, their Man United season. I think you remember saying, when they won, they won in league after league, people thought that, you know, they were rolling teams over. Which, to be fair, they were at times, but he says people forget about the games and we didn't play well. Yeah. You know, when we, you know, we ended up coming out for a win. And I think 
at pivotal times this season. You know, the times that we didn't play well, which was quite rare, to be honest. We played quite good football. Yeah. You know, we always come up for good and we managed to get that win, which is massive in the end because you have to know that win games when things aren't going your way. And um, obviously come winter time when the conditions changes, the pitch gets worse, you come against big physical teams, you have to find a way to win. And uh, that's something that this team done. Did you think that teams had obviously done their homework and sat sat a bit deeper and tried to make it a bit harder for us to sort of get in behind? Do you know what? It's a bit of a mixed bag because sometimes you play against teams who just said, well, we're sitting off you here. Like, I think they're worried, obviously, about the way that we played, that we'd cut them open and play through them. So we had to like try and break teams down. And other times, teams would come to the exact opposite. Like, we're giving you a full press. We're coming and pressing you hard the pitch. And then, you know, we'd manage to play through them and get attacking them. So it was almost like teams weren't too sure. It was one or the other. They either sat right back or they just come and press us hard the pitch. It was never like one of the two. So the good thing about us was, we, you know, we stuck to how we played. We stuck to playing football and, you know, it's played dividends in the end that we've managed to, you know, play a great brand of football and end up finishing top of the league. So, you know, I think I thought we adapted well and that also comes down to, you know, the training, how we train and how we apply ourselves and how we listen to the information coming from the coaches to apply it out on the football pitch. And Wickham away was one of the season highlights um, and finally got that elusive away win. Um, it seemed like we didn't get sucked into Wickham's style of play and we just kind of focused on our own game, Liam. Yeah, no, do you know what? I've been, I think, three years at the club now. I think I've played against Wickham six times and we've beaten six <laughs> times, which is a great record. But I remember going there and obviously Wickham were flying in the league. I'm thinking, it's going to be a tough game, this. Mm. At Wickham, flying in the league. And uh, I think it was one of our best games. Honestly, we just controlled possession the whole day. And the thing is, Wickham are good at what they do. You know, they might not play the prettiest football, but full credit to them. We've got a lot of respect for them because they've worked so hard this season, you know, with limited finances yeah. and they've managed to get themselves up. You know, fully deserved because they, on points per game, they finished third and they won the playoffs, you know, fair and outright. They deserve to be, you know, promoted. But I remember going and thinking, it's going to be a tough game. But we just stuck to our game and we played fantastic football and, you know, some of the goals are brilliant. I think it was. Who scored the first goal again? It was McCallum, wasn't it? Yeah, Callum's goal. Yeah, great, great goal. Just bended it in with his right foot. And then obviously Matty's goal was contender for goal of the season. Yeah. You know, great through ball from Zane. Shivers flick. And then Matty just banged it in the bottom corner. Yeah, on his left foot as well. I remember behind it thinking, what a goal that is. Yeah. And, um, yeah, it's a fantastic day. And I think, you know, we had back-to-back 4-1 wins, which, you know, as soon as we got that first away win, that was us. We were on our way and we were charging up that lead. Yeah, definitely. I was going to say, obviously, we went to Tranmere and on a terrible, terrible pitch, we, we still played our football. Was this something the gaffer talked about before the game? Like, was he keen on saying, you know, just go out and play your stuff, don't be put off by the by the farmyard pitch that it was? Yeah, do you know what? I think we, we wanted to play it. Yeah, the manager said, like, do what we do, play how we play, fair play. And um, I, th- I think the thing was probably thinking, you know, in our heads, don't take too many risks because the pitch is terrible, but it's probably one of the best performances again because we played fantastic football and yeah. on what was the worst pitch of the season. And to be fair, though, in that game, I think we we're one, was it 2 1 at half time? And I think they had a penalty to draw yeah. level. And yeah, that's big moment, sometimes wasn't it? you need that little bit of slice of luck. And obviously, they missed the penalty. Then we've gone on and just scored two goals. But, you know, you've got to go to places like Tranmere because obviously Tranmere ended up having a great run of form at the back end of the season and really unlucky to get relegated. And, um, it's probably down to their pitch that they had a good run of form because it's a very hard place to go. Um, but once again, fantastic for the travelling support. Travelling support were, you know, brilliant. And it makes such a difference. And 
to be able to go out there and put on score lines like that away from home, I'm sure it makes their journey a, a lot more pleasurable. Yeah, definitely, definitely, definitely does. Um, and we went on a pretty unstoppable run towards the end of the season, got some really, really big results. I'm thinking of, you know, Portsmouth at home, Sunderland at home. And then there was a point at home to Rotherham, which, although it was only a point, it did feel like a big result at the time, didn't it, Liam? Yeah, no, do you know what? We were terrible. I was terrible in that game, I think. We didn't play great football. Um, I, do you know what? I'm, I'm trying to think. That I think that game come in the middle of, you know, it was a hectic run for us. I think, obviously, we'd been playing Saturday, Tuesday, Saturday, Tuesday for about two months straight, near enough. I think we played the FA Cup games against um, Birmingham. And, you know, I think, you know, we, just, we were probably tired at that point. And um, we didn't play a great first half, found ourselves 1-0 down. And we didn't play, you know, a great game. But like I spoke about earlier, I think it speaks volumes of the team when things aren't going our way, when we're not performing well. Someone pops up that bit of magic, that yeah. bit of, you know, quality, you know. And we, it was in the end, it was a, it was a massive point because the thing was we had good momentum going into that game, and a defeat could have thrown that momentum off. It could have given Rotherham a bit more confidence. The team's chasing yeah. is a bit more confidence, but to be able to take a point from that game just help tick us over and keep us going on that run of form yeah. and come the end of the season it was a massive point wasn't it and it was uh, it kept that on un, that unbeaten run going yeah definitely um obviously as fans you know we we started singing we're going to win the league and stuff probably a bit too early on because we obviously get a bit overexcited <laughs> but um i guess obviously as you, you as players you've obviously got to keep focused on the job but did you in the back of your mind have a time where you started to feel like yeah this is it we're gonna we're actually gonna win the league um, do you know what? It probably wasn't until really. Who was the game before the Ipswich game? Was that Rotherham? Uh, before the Ipswich game, or oh, Sunderland, Sunderland, Sunderland. It was yeah, the week before. Do you know yeah, what? it was probably after that Sunderland game going into the Ipswich game. Uh, in the head, I was just thinking. I think we had nine games left, and their best one was Fads. Fads was like trying to work out. It's like a mathematician saying, <laughs> "I've looked at the previous season. We need this many points from that game. This many points from this game." I'm like, Fads, just calm down. Like we'll yeah. just take it a game at a time. We we'll just win our next game, and he's like, "Yeah, but if we get this many points in that game, and we win this game, and we pick up this point in the road, then we're like, just win our next game." <laughs> yeah. So in my head, you know what? I was thinking this is a real possibility here, but in my mind, I was like, just don't get carried away. All you can concentrate <laughs> and all you can affect is that next game, yeah. and we just need to knuckle down and win that next game. And you know, like I said before, when we're playing, you know. Saturday, Tuesday, Saturday, Tuesday. When you play three games in a week, it's really moving week because every team's playing and there's nine points up for grabs and that league table come the end of the three-game period is going to move a hell of a lot. So there were big periods for us and obviously we managed to go on a good run of form when there was a lot of games coming and it really shifted us and it just boosted us straight up that table. Um, but yeah, I think probably after that Ipswich game, we're thinking, yeah, this is a real possibility, yeah. But we can't get carried away, you know, because there's nine games still to play. But obviously, what was meant to be was meant to be. And that was it. You know, little did we know, the end of that Ipswich game, we've won the league. Yeah, and we've heard a, a lot about AD Vivash and his style of um, training. How sort of influential has he been on the squad? And what are your thoughts sort of on AD's training style? Yeah, no, you know, AD's been massive since he's come in. Obviously, he's had a lot of success. He's been part, you know, part of the playoffs finals obviously the last two seasons you know winning the league and you know he takes a lot of the training AD and um, he's a very good coach you know he puts a lot of time and effort into you know scouting the opponent and how they play and he puts a real emphasis and focus on what we do and how we play and how we're evolving as a team and 
I think he's been great for some of the young players and the lone players coming through. And I think he's had a, a really big impact on them. And, you know, obviously, Aidy was a, a defender when he was a player. So he's obviously, you know, had a big say on how we defend and how we've managed to have the best defensive record in the league. But yeah, he's been big in, um, you know, he demands a lot from the players in training, which rightly yeah. so he should do. And he's been a massive part of this club's recent success and um, hopefully be a big part of it going forward as well. Yeah, and we heard a lot of credit to the backroom staff as well around lockdown where they put sort of personal plans together. How was lockdown for you? And was you was it difficult to try and keep fit? Do you know what? I've, I've probably got myself really fit. Yeah. <laughs> Nothing else to do. You know, I've got two young kids. Yeah. Uh, Mrs. is pregnant. So um, I used to, I, I got one of them trailer things. I used to chuck the two kids in the trailer and go on massive bike rides. I'd just go running near enough every day. The thing was, what else are you meant to do? You just need to keep yourself busy. Um, yeah. So I just obviously, you know, take myself running, you know, keep myself fit. And I managed to turn up back to pre-season, you know, in really good nick and really good shape. And, uh, you know, it's great for me having to spend time with the kids. Obviously, I miss playing football. And when yeah. we come back, I was more than ready to be playing football. But I think you have to take the positives out of what is a bad situation. And the positives was I managed to get myself really fit, managed to spend a good amount of time with the family. And um, coming back into pre-season in a, in a good shape and, you know, good mental shape as well. I'm ready to rock and roll for the next season. Yeah, exactly. And with, with the club, were they? did you regularly catch up with the club and there was training together on Zoom calls and whatnot? Yeah, so we had a running programme to do. Um, so we yeah. probably run about four times a week um, on their programme. So we'd do that and then we'd have a few gym sessions and Zoom call. Um so yeah, I think me and Fads were the regulars on that. Every single um, every single day, we were doing our Zoom call gym sessions, um, and a lot of the lads joined in as well. And you know, it was just if anything, it wasn't really even for the gym. It's more for a social get together. Yeah. The lads, you know, like stuck in the house, have a chance to speak to each other, and you know, and the basis of every single Zoom call is what is happening with the season. Have we won the league yet? <laughs> and basically, that was it. We're just trying to find out what is going on. And to be honest with you, yeah. I think the more time went on, the more, you know, clear things sort of come when you sort of hear that the Premier League need to finish their games because of the money. The Championship needs to finish their games because of the money. League One can't finish their games because it's going to cost them too much money. You start putting two and two together and thinking, God, this could be it, you know. We might have already won the league and I think we'll just yeah. wait and then it was just a waiting game, waiting for that piece of confirmation. Yeah, as you said, it, it seemed to take an absolute age for the news to, to come through and Lots of rumours flying about. It was quite nerve-wracking. Where were you sort of when you finally heard the news that we'd won the league? And how did so, it sort of play out for you? So it started to roll a little bit. Uh, so it started to gain a bit more. So weird, like, um, to go, you had, like, the, the captain's meetings with, like, the PFA and the, oh, really? and the EFL. And not a lot of information. It was more to to regard with wages. But that sort of went on for a little bit. And that stopped. And then as the week's gone on and then kept on going on, you just hear snippets of information saying that could be it, that could be it. But um, I got a, I think I got a message. Oh, I might be the, I think the, the manager messaged me saying it, it might be announced today. And um, when the text come through, I think it was um, adds the fitness coach you put in the group chat. We've won the league. And I remember jumping up. I was in my bedroom. I jumped up, <laughs> smashed my head off the bedroom light. It hurt like hell. And that was it. We've won the league. And, you know, you, I think we had to wait another 20 minutes, half an hour for it to be officially announced in Sky Sports. But, yeah, it was just over the moon. Like, I think we, we expected the news to come. But until yeah. you hear that official announcement, That's you should celebrate it. Yeah. yeah, but, I mean, to be honest, you want to win the league. 
on the football pitch. You want to win it at that final whistle, but considering everything that's gone on, you know, you, you take what you're given. And, you know, we're more than happy and over the moon that we've, that we've won the league. And we'll, you know, we'll celebrate that and we'll take that because over the games it's played and, you know, we lost three league games that whole season. I don't yeah, think incredible. anyone would discredit us from, you know, being deserved winners of the league. Yeah, definitely. Um, was it a little bit disappointing that you weren't able to celebrate with the fans? Yeah, massively, because I think what made it probably even worse was the fact that being part of that playoff winning team, you know, obviously winning at Wembley, you know, <laughs> going out in Leamington, surrounded by fans, I'm making <laughs> top tour bus flying through Coventry City Centre. Then oh, I couldn't believe it when that bus, how, you, you know, Coventry is a big club, but when that bus went through, you know, Coventry and it just went on for about two hours and the streets were lined solid for two hours of fans. And we get into the city centre, I don't know, there's like 15, 20,000 people surrounding the bus. And you're thinking, ah, oh, it's a shame because we would, I would have loved to have done that again. Or I really would have loved to have done that again. But it is what it is and the situation is what it is and you, you can't affect it and you can't change it. So it's a shame yeah. that we didn't get the chance to celebrate in that way. But you know, we all celebrate you know, on that on that league one, you know, trophy it says Coventry City champion. So we'll take that. Yeah, that's all that matters. And um just looking ahead to, to this season, um how excited are you um about playing in the championship? Yeah, no, massively so. I mean obviously managed to play only half a season there at Bristol City before. So and it's a fantastic league and it's full of big clubs and hopefully if we can get supporters back in, there's gonna be some great games, you know, some great derby games, some great atmospheres and Honestly, I can't wait. I'm really looking forward to it. I'm ready just to throw everything into this season and go out there and just, you know, see how far we can take it and see how good a season that we can have because there's been some great players that's come in and the team's only getting stronger and hopefully we can go out there and, you know, put on a bit of entertainment for the for the City fans. Yeah, and you mentioned about the players that have come in already for the, the new season. Is there anyone that's really sort of impressed you? And as obviously they've all got their own um, credits, if you like. But yeah, is there anyone that's stuck out and you thought are really going to support perhaps the players that we've lost in replace? Yeah, you know, I think um, I think Gus is going to be a, a big player for us. Obviously, we lost Walshy, and you know, Walshy's a fantastic player. Yeah, you know, he's got tremendous amounts of ability, and he's brilliant for us. And obviously, that's the hole that's gone that he's replacing. And Gus comes in, and he's got good qualities. A very similar player to Walshy, uh, which is good. Um, yeah, and hopefully, you know, he's gone with a fantastic season for us. And obviously, Marcel's come in from Germany. You know, he's got a, he's got a rocket of a left foot, um, and hopefully, that can get us a few goals this season but you know players that have come in have impressed us and hopefully see a little bit more of them coming up in the pre-season friendlies we've got because up until now we've only had Rangers really in training so it'd be nice to get out on the pitch and play against some opposition and hopefully try and put together a few performances get the fitness up and get ourselves ready for the start of that season. Yeah, and the fans have been lucky there's been some really great content that have gone out from the official um, page with training videos and you know it's sort of behind the scenes have you, um, how have you found pre-season training and do you think that it will help us with a bit of a head start over the other teams? Yeah, no, obviously we had, uh, we've started a lot earlier than, than quite a few teams. We started while they were still back and, you know, I found pre-season good. You know, I feel really fit. I've come back feeling fit and strong and, you know, I quite enjoy pre-season. I don't mind it. I'm a bit different to other people. I don't mind doing, you know, you, know, you, you feel good, you know, working hard. You feel good training hard. You feel good getting yourself fitter and stronger. I know that every session is getting you closer to where you need to be. And, uh, yeah, obviously, we've been in a little bit earlier than a lot of clubs. And, 
you know, we've obviously had a long break and we need it because the last thing we want to do is spend so long, you know, not playing football and then come back and, you know, have a shorter pre-season. You, you don't want to get caught cold. Come the first yeah. game of the season, we want to be, you know, On the boil. Full, full tilt, 100 miles an hour, you know, ready to go and ready to be competitive because it's a tough league, the championship. You know, it's full of, you know, very fit and very, you know, technically adept and good quality players so yeah. you know that, that level just goes up again and we need to make Relentless sure that we get to that level yep 100% and on a sort of final note really you've obviously been at the club for three seasons now just want to get your thoughts on the Sky Blue Army in the time you've been here and how much difference do they make when you're playing home and away yeah no it's, it's been massive and you know I think the big thing was obviously what's happened to Coventry City fans in the last few seasons has been really tough for them. Obviously being relegated, you know, into League One, into League Two, and then obviously to move away um, yeah. to St Andrews, it's been very tough. So what's been nice for us is be to be able to put a smile back on the fans' faces, you know, with two promotions and some great FA Cup runs. And you look at some of the away games we have, you know, when you win a game and you win it emphatically for good performance. And you can go over and clap the, the fans at the end of the game. You can see the appreciation there and their support and their following has made a massive difference to us, especially, you know, the turn of last season. You know, that second half of the season with all the away wins that we had was, was massive for us. And I'm sure they loved coming to it. And full credit to all the fans that, you know, travelled to St Andrews because we know, you know, it's, it's difficult. It's a long way to travel. It costs money to travel there. Mm. The season two costs money. But to have the fans there makes such a difference. And hopefully one day we'll be back in commentary. But um, until that point, you know, the, the fans that keep turning up have been superb for us. And it's just been nice to to hopefully think that, you know, the players are given something back to them for their for their support. Yeah, definitely. Well, we definitely feel like that, Liam. Um, yeah, we could honestly chat with you all night. It's been really good having you on the show. Um, really interesting insight into your career before Coventry, you know, as well as the three seasons you've been here so far. Um, I just wanted to say on behalf of the thousands of Coventry City fans, thank you for your passionate performances while wearing the sky blue shirt and your continued commitment to the club. You really have been instrumental in our rise back to the Championship. Um, we mainly just wish you the best of luck for next season. No worries. Cheers, guys. I really, really appreciate that. It's been, a, it's been a pleasure coming on to talk to you. And listeners, don't forget to check out our brand new website, which is skyblues-extra.co.uk, where you can find all of our match previews, podcasts, and our brand new range of merchandise. And as usual, if you want to get involved in the conversation on our social media channels, just use the hashtag SkyBluesExtraPodcast. Thanks for listening to the Sky Blues Extra Podcast. Away days are great, but there's nothing quite like playing at home. The same goes for McDonald's. Maximise your home ground advantage with McDelivery. Order now on the McDonald's app. At participating restaurants, 18 plus, serving times, delivery fee, and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Cats and cat owners deserve better than any old-fashioned litter. That's why I teamed up with scientists and veterinarians to create Pretty Litter. Its innovative crystal formula has superior odor control and weighs up to 80% less than clay litter. Pretty Litter even monitors health by changing colors to help detect early signs of potential illness. It's the world's smartest kitty litter. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. This podcast is proud to be part of the TalkSport Fan Network. TalkSport. Powered by fans.